Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. I'm glad to see you returned once again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got something quite interesting to show you. It may come across as a little mundane, but no, there is, as there is always something with the objects we have in this curiosity shop, it is of great interest. Here, I, I took the liberty of getting this down off the shelf. If you look at it, it may come across as just an ordinary dinner plate. And an empty dinner plate at that. And that is the curious thing about this dinner plate, is that those who eat off of it may not find the food to their liking. And in spite of the preparation and the delicious flavors and aromas, you might find yourself violently ill. And that speaks to a particular movie that came out in 2021, uh, a British film, but more recently, we've seen it show up on Shudder here in the United States. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at A Banquet. Now, A Banquet first came onto my radar late last year, probably somewhere in December, early January, maybe. I was looking to see what films were coming out in 2022 so I could kind of, you know, get a jump on planning what things I'm going to be talking about, TV shows and movies and limited series that, that were coming out this year that, uh, that I might want to talk about on the podcast. And one of the films that I saw was going to be released here in the States was A Banquet. Now, A Banquet, as I said, is a British horror film uh, released over in Great Britain. I believe it uh, made its debut, the Toronto Film Festival. It made the film festival circuits last year, and I believe was initially released in Britain in September of last year. IFC Midnight got the rights to it to distribute it here in the United States. And of course, uh, Shudder has this movie on their streaming service, which I believe started streaming sometime last month. And just judging by the trailer that I saw, this really seemed like an interesting idea, an interesting premise. It, it seemed like the kind of premise that was rife for... Uh, <laughs> metaphor uh whether it be eating disorder metaphors or or so many other different you know body image metaphors that sort of thing I don't think we got a ton of that. It didn't come across as very metaphor-driven. This was more of a family relationship-driven movie. And the basis of this movie is this. You have the, the family, uh, Holly Hughes, her older teenage daughter, Betsy Hughes, her younger teenage daughter, Isabel Hughes. They are living after the suicide loss of the husband the father of this family we start off with a scene of this this husband and father he's sick and the wife holly is taking care of him and he he ends up killing himself by drinking uh, like cleaning liquids the wife holly discovers him uh the oldest daughter betsy she walks in on this scene 
And the family, uh, you know, they've, they're moving on as we catch up with them in present day, but the family is still struggling with, uh, especially the mother, still struggling with, with what happened to her husband. But this family, you know, they, they seem very grounded. It seems like a, a, a very functional family. The sisters get along. The mother gets along with the, the girls. It just seems like, uh, you know, while they're, they're struggling to deal with what happened to the, the husband and father, they're getting by and they're there supporting each other. Things kind of get a little wonky when the oldest daughter, Betsy, goes to this party with her boyfriend and she has a little prank played on her. She goes outside to get some air and all of a sudden she starts hearing voices and she's called into the woods at the edge of the property and the moon is a blood red. And I don't know if that's supposed to be something that maybe she's only seeing or it's something that everyone would be seeing. I would think that would be a big deal. People would be making a big deal about it. So I, I, I'm wondering if this is maybe uh, something that she's only experiencing and she goes off into the woods and when she comes back, she's, she's acting weird. She's acting like she's intoxicated. The boyfriend takes her home and over the next couple days we find out that she no longer has a hunger for food whenever she eats food she gets violently sick and this is something that of course uh, the mother is you know very concerned about as, as any mother would be uh, they try to run tests and nothing really comes up and we see this struggle between Betsy and the mother you know, the mother just wants her to eat. Betsy doesn't want to eat. She knows she's going to get violently ill. At one point, uh, they, she essentially uh, makes her eat a pea, a single pea, and she gets uh, violently ill just eating this pea. I think this is kind of the, the time when the grandmother gets uh, introduced into the story. And the grandmother played by Lindsay Duncan, she plays June in this, but if you watched a Discovery of Witches series, she played Isabeau, the matriarch of the de Claremont family. And I, you know, I loved her in that series. And so I was familiar with her work and she did just as good a job with this role as I expected her to. Uh, you know, when you're an actor of her caliber, you know, you bring a bit of weight and you bring a bit of clout uh, and acting prowess to any production. And this production really had a lot of good actresses in it, but to have, you know, somebody of, of Lindsay Duncan's, uh, like I said, stature uh, really anchored this this really good cast but it's through this grandmother character june that we discover that betsy has a history june tells a story of when uh, betsy was a, a small child and staying with uh, uh, her and her grandfather and she was caught in a lie because june witnessed her out in the garden uh, talking to herself and she was rehearsing this whole uh, scenario where she was telling them uh, something that happened that made her scared and and essentially saying that she has a history of lying to get what she wants and june kind of insinuates that this may be something uh, Betsy's lying about this supernatural experience she had in the woods that is now causing her to not eat anything. And the whole thing kind of amps up when Betsy starts having these prophecies. She's having these visions of an apocalypse that is coming and that 
she is called to a higher purpose and to prepare for this this coming apocalypse and once the apocalypse comes it's going to cleanse the earth and it is going to she's going to bring about a, a new world and jessica alexander who plays betsy really did a spectacular job with this because she had a lot on her plate you know she had to uh, proverbially speaking but not only did she have to play this you know this sweet teenage girl who you know she's doing teenage things but she's not getting into too much trouble you know she's trying to be there and be supportive of her mother uh you know she's she's kind she's not like a, a bitchy older sister to her to her younger sister uh, she's a good kid it seems and not only does she play that really well you know you believe that you know she's she's a kid that she's a good egg but she also plays this kind of emo phase when she is uh, not eating when she first stops eating she kind of goes into the emo phase where she's just you know she's she's moody and doesn't want to talk doesn't want to talk about things and and then she kind of moves into this mania of having these prophecies and she had a, a very multifaceted character in front of her and i thought she played all the different aspects all the different facets of this character of betsy hughes quite well even when it comes into as we lead up to the climax of this the pain and agony of what she's going through which almost uh, it almost came across as somebody that's going through uh, detox uh, a drug addict going through detox it was just a very powerful performance from her and a powerful performance from sienna gilori uh, she plays the mother, Holly Hughes, and you know she she had a lot to do herself as far as a maybe not as multifaceted as the Betsy character, but the Holly character is going through a lot. She's trying to keep it together for her family after her husband kills himself, and then to have her daughter going through. Uh, what she's going through and not knowing if she's faking it, not knowing if it's real, not knowing what the end game is for this. You know, her daughter's not eating. She's afraid she's starving herself. Uh, she She's afraid she's anorexic and that she is going to starve herself to death like and essentially killing herself like her husband she doesn't want to see that she's trying to protect her child we also find out that she has a strained relationship with her mother june and and i think that really is kind of where the real theme of this is it's not so much the eating disorder stuff because they really don't play into that a whole lot i mean anorexia is is talked about but they don't really double down on that metaphor it's more about the relationship between june and holly and holly and her kids because uh, especially once betsy starts having these uh you know this this situation where she doesn't want to eat uh, she's having these prophecies she's she's coming across as crazy the other daughter isabel uh, kind of disappears and she notices that uh, she notices that her mother is paying all her attention to her older sister and she feels neglected and it, it just seems like those struggles that the grandmother and the mother shared all those years ago are just kind of being passed down from one generation to the next and of course isabel starts to act out a little bit and and 
Ruby Stokes, who plays Isabel Hughes, uh, she didn't have the emotional range that Jessica Alexander had to play for like Betsy, but hers was more of a subtle role. And she's very much got a lot of quiet pain to go through. And then she starts to act out a little bit. And then she starts to have problems with the mother. And then, you know, as we get closer to the end of this movie, the grandmother decides to take uh, Isabel uh, away for a little bit. Uh, to get some separation, which leaves uh, Holly and Betsy, the mother and the daughter, uh, there in the house alone to to build this climax. But I thought all four of these women in these roles were just fantastic. And there's a couple other side characters, but but these four actresses make up the lion's share of this story. Now, before we get into kind of where this thing culminates and and where it comes to a head, I do want to talk about one incidents actually two incidents within this because uh, Lindsay Duncan as June the grandmother uh, when she first comes there and finds out about Betsy not eating and they don't know what it is they don't know what's wrong she conveys this story that she heard and just her telling of it was so haunting and so eerie Uh, she tells this tale about a Japanese farmer I believe he was Japanese but a Japanese farmer. For, for for this telling of it, it's going to be a Japanese farmer. Uh, he marries a, a beautiful young woman. She's everything that the standards of, you know, Japanese culture at that time, this is, you know, many, many years ago, uh, she's the, the picture-perfect representation of that. The only problem with her is that she won't eat anything. And the farmer doesn't understand why. But he finds that even though he's the only one that's eating, their food stores are dwindling as if two people are eating. So one night he he stays up and follows his wife to the food stores and finds that the wife is possessed by a demon uh, that opens up a, a big mouth in the back of her head. And she's the wife is stuffing food into this demon's mouth and feeding the demon that way. Now, there's a particular name for this demon. I cannot remember what that is, but the the telling of this story was quite eerie and quite haunting. And of course, the mother, Holly, says, are you suggesting that my daughter is possessed by a demon? And of course, the grandmother's no, but you know, this story makes her, or what's going on makes her think of this story. And kind of like a little wink to the camera that who knows the thing i really loved is they kind of paid off that setup because holly has this what turns out to be a dream sequence at the time you don't know she's having a dream but she's hearing this noise she's looking for betsy to find where she is and she finds betsy in her room with all this food all over the floor and she's kind of smearing it and grabbing handfuls of it and holly goes to her daughter whose back is to her she's kneeling down on the floor and holly moves the hair on the back of her head out of the way and you see this gaping maw with these teeth. And essentially, it's it's a it's a nice little jump scare. Uh, she's dreaming that her daughter is possessed by this demon that the grandmother told her the story about. That's the only real good scare of the whole movie. But this movie really didn't need scares. It didn't need jump scares to be scary and an atmospheric. I think of the atmosphere of this movie is really what made this creepy and unnerving. 
especially when we get to the climax. Of course, June, the grandmother, has taken Isabel, the younger daughter, away. And now that Betsy has her mother, Holly, alone in this house, she really kind of starts to, uh, I, I don't know whether you want to call it gaslighting or brainwashing, but she's telling her all of these uh, prophecies that she's having and that she has to convince her mother that this is real for for things to happen in the world to be cleansed. It's just a lot of really weird, uh, weird stuff. The mother wants to pray and starts to pray in Jesus Christ's name. And, and the, the daughter doesn't want anything to do with that. So it, it's kind of implied that whatever power this daughter has come in contact with, it's not of God. It's not of Jesus. It's not of heaven. It's probably somewhere down below or, or maybe some elder God. I, I don't know. It's It was a lot of stuff that was kind of alluded to, but not really said out loud. And then all of a sudden, the mother starts to believe her, starts to believe in what she is saying. And the daughter convinces her to be with her. She's going to be going through pains. She hasn't eaten in weeks now. And the daughter does go through these pains, but when she uh, gets through them, you know, she'll understand. And the mother helps her through these. And this was the scene that really felt like a, somebody, like a drug addict going through detox. But Jessica Alexander really did a good job with the, the pain that she was enduring. And she gets through this and the mother is there with her. She's finally kind of settled down and she's she's through the worst of it but she looks like death warmed over uh the betsy hughes character and i'm and and you start to wonder oh my god this this girl is dying she is starving to death now ever since the not eating started with betsy the mother has been weighing her twice a day to make sure that she's not losing weight and that she's not starving herself. And we see the mother weigh her every day. We get a flash of the scales, and it's always on the same weight every day. Uh, this girl's neither gaining nor losing weight. After this whole ordeal with the the daughter going through these, these pains, and like I said, going through almost this DT experience, the mother finds the scale, and she notices that the scale is on the weight that she's been recording every day and nothing is touching it. And she picks it up and realizes that the daughter has rigged the scale to say the same weight and that the mother fell for this ruse and that the girl has been starving herself and we find that she has died. Betsy has died. And the mother is just reeling over this. To which she goes outside. She's kind of stumbling down the street in just abject grief and sorrow at what has happened to her daughter. What she has allowed to happen to her daughter. And just when we have come to the conclusion that for some reason, whatever Betsy was going through, it was it was man-made. It was It was her doing this. It was her starving herself for whatever reason. Holly kneels on the ground in almost looking up to the heavens to 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 cry out why uh, that sort of situation and then all of a sudden you see this gleam of light in her eye that just gets bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden her face and her body is awash with the glow of something and it's it's never seen because I think it intensifies to a whiteout 
but it's essentially some sort of asteroid or meteor or comet or something, some ball of fire, some ball of light. Or I even wondered if it may be some being, of course, Lucifer is is known in the Bible as the angel of light or a being of light. Uh, so, you know, maybe it could be some sort of manifestation of Lucifer, some elder god, like we said, you know, there's, there's kind of some uh, leanings toward maybe some sort of Lovecraftian elements to this story. It's never overt, but when you read the between the lines, it almost feels like it it could be a like some sort of Lovecraftian type god that has given Betsy these these premonitions, these prophecies, and maybe maybe behind all this. Uh, I, I don't know. That's kind of speculation, but but something's going on, something's coming to cleanse the earth. The prophecies that Betsy has been talking about were true. And this wasn't just Betsy starving herself. This was the supernatural event that she had talked about. This was the supernatural prophecies that she had been having and that she did have to convince her mother uh, for whatever reason of this. And and now the the cleansing of the world is, is happening and essentially an apocalyptic event. This was definitely a movie that when it was all said and done, I'm like, what? What the F? <laughs> did I just watch? But in a good way. I've, I've watched movies where I'm like, oh, what the F did I just watch? And it wasn't a good thing <laughs> at all. But this was one of those things where things were so ambiguous throughout this. Nothing's ever really explained to any great detail. I mean, we get little bits and pieces of the story. We get little bits and pieces of the weather twos and the Y fours of what has gone on with Betsy and what goes on with Betsy and Holly at the end. But we never really get a satisfying explanation of what's going on. And and again, much like our episode on Monday, talking about the innocence, where there really wasn't an explanation for all the supernatural activity of that movie. Uh, this, it, you, like that movie, you really didn't need it. You didn't need to have everything spelled out for you. You, you got enough to know what was going on. Uh, you may not know why it was happening, but you understand what is happening. And and I'm fine with that. Now, if you're one of those people that have to have everything spelled out for you, you're probably not going to like it. You're also probably not going to like this movie if you don't like slow burn movies. I mean, this movie has a slow pace. It's an intense pace. It's a very atmospheric pace. There's, there's a lot of this underlying haunted feeling of this. Not knowing, is this girl possessed? is, I mean, you spend most of the time thinking she's possessed, or there's got to be some some weird explanation for why she's not eating. Uh, when the grandmother, June, tells you the story of this, this Japanese demon that possesses this woman, and you got the gaping maw on the back of the head, uh, you half wonder if that doesn't have something to do with it. You only get the payoff of that with the dream sequence, but you spend a lot of time. It's kind of a red herring as to to what's going on with, with Betsy. And you spend this whole time wondering what this is all about. What's the mystery here? You're trying to solve the mystery. And you never get really any clear-cut answers to solve the mystery. But you you find out in the end that this was all on the up and up. 
this wasn't some sort of bait and switch. Here's a supernatural story. Oh, wait, no, it all has a rational earth-based explanation. No, it's not like that. No, it was supernatural. If any red herring was there is that, you know, at the end when the mother thinks that, oh, this was just her starving herself. It was nice to find that, that no, no, this did have a supernatural ending to it. This was all a supernatural event, which I, I don't know why I enjoy that so much. It just makes me think that there's a bigger universe out there that we can't explain everything that goes on. You know, not every monster is man-made. There are things that lurk in the dark corners of, of the universe and the world and the deep places that are, are ready to reach out and grab you. And, and they have teeth and they have claws. I like stories like that. And this was kind of one of those stories. It wasn't in your face with all the supernatural activity, but the, it was there. It, it had enough supernatural elements to it. Uh, it had enough uh, great character elements to it. The relationship between the grandmother, the mother, the mother and the two daughters was interesting. Uh, it was a slow burn of a movie. It was a slower paced movie, but just filmed quite nicely. I mean, the director, Ruth Paxton, I believe this is her feature film debut, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, she did a great job setting up shots. Uh, the lighting was interesting, uh, whether it you know be some of the, the light of day sort of shots, uh, some of the dark, uh, moodier shots. Uh, the, some of the shots of the house were really interesting. Um, shots inside the house, I should say. Justin Bull is the writer of this. I thought it was a really good story. It was a solid story. You know, sometimes you get uh, movies that Shudder picks up as a Shudder exclusive, and, you know, they, they feel like cheap, low-budget horror flicks. Uh, this did not feel cheap. This did not feel low-budget. It wasn't very special effects laden. The effect of the mouth on the back of the girl's head in the dream sequence was probably the biggest special effect shot. But I, I have to say that what they lacked in special effects, and this, this movie didn't need a ton of special effects, they made up for with atmosphere, uh, a solid story, and really good acting. I, I have to say that each and every one of the actresses in this just hit it out of the park and really made what could have been a really boring movie, made it interesting and made it intriguing. You know, I've seen movies where it, it may be a good story, it may be well-written, but the acting is subpar and that just takes you out of the movie. And especially a slow-paced, a slow-burn movie like this could have been just boring if it wasn't for these actresses really giving you a good performance, making you believe and making you care about these characters. So really the, the actors in this movie, the directing, the writing, it just all came together and, and a really good story. And it wasn't a complex story. It was a simple story, simply told and done well. And that is why I really enjoyed a banquet more than I thought I might. So, if you like that sort of movie, I encourage you to check it out. If you have checked it out, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, if you didn't, well, hey, you know what? That's That happens sometimes. But uh, uh, we'll be talking about more movies coming up in the near future. And you can find out uh, what those movies are going to be by going to our Facebook page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop, 
on Facebook. We're always talking about what we're going to be discussing on the show next. We're always posting trailers to series and movies that are going to be coming out. Uh, some we may be talking about, some we may not get a chance to talk about, but always try to keep you uh, up to date on what's going on in horror, fantasy, and science fiction, as well as sharing different articles from all over the internet on horror, fantasy, and science fiction, and a whole lot more. So check it out on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please uh, like it, share it, subscribe to it, download it, especially share it with anyone you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction and leave a review five stars would be awesome but those reviews are really important towards uh you know some of these podcast platforms promoting podcasts like this so uh, please leave a five-star review and until next time thank you for visiting odds bodkins curiosity shop we hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!